This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. You're listening to Minutia Men. But first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, special guests, the Minutia Men, Rick Kempfer and David Stern, are our guests... And Steve, they've accomplished so much. Yeah, they have, including uh, what I'm going through right now. I just got a, my ascot on and I have my cigarette holder and a cigarette and a nice glass of bourbon because I'm beginning to write the remainder of my book. You got a deadline. Next Tuesday deadline, my friend. You just ruined their promo. Oh, I thought we were on the same promo. You just jumped in on theirs. Well, I was under the impression that we were ad lib in the promo. How about that, Steve? They've inspired me, Howard. They've inspired me. And they'll inspire you. On the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Uh, okay, fine. Screw it. I won't be on your damn promo either. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is a special lost episode of Minutia Men. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. <laughs> now that time you were actually shooting your it's finger gun. It's my six shooter. Okay. Right, watch it here. All right. Yeah. All right. For all of you at home, it, it's like it's like going into a an episode of The Rifleman, <laughs> and, and that's that's who, Chuck Connors, who's in every cub ever, <laughs> available at every cub ever. Day. Yeah. That's uh, that's what Dave just gave you. And uh, right before we went on the air, Dave, I, I got to tell you about this because this is an interesting little story. Mm-hmm. Um, Brent Peterson, who is an good author friend of, of ours, good friend of the show, an yeah. author of ours. Has a great podcast Destination on, on the Eat Radio Drink. Misfits Network. Yeah, it's called uh, Destination Eat Drink. Yes, and I've been on that show mm-hmm. a couple times. In fact, I'm on it currently. If you check on there, I did a whole show with him uh, from the same studio that you're in right now. Oh, he came over and we did a show. Mm-hmm. It's uh, about uh, the wait, city. Wait, wait, wait. You're cheating on me. I again. have all <laughs> sorts of people that are coming in here now. Um, uh, it's about the city of Ravine. Uh, which is in Croatia. Oh, okay. So that if you want to check that out, check it out. But that's not why he called me. He, I mean, he called me to say, uh, by the way, it's going to be on. You know, it's going to be posted soon or whatever. Um, but he also said, um, "Hey, uh, I just want to let you know, I just had a colonoscopy, and they found uh, one precancerous cell, and they had it removed." And I said. Oh, good. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> right. Do I send a card yeah. for that? Or what, what exactly are he you looking He said, but for? you know, the reason I'm calling you is because I've heard you talk about this with Dave, mm-hmm. and you uh, apparently don't want to do the colonoscopy, and I'm calling to urge you to do it, because what if I had not caught this, right. and it had gone on and, and gotten worse, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and I'm concerned about you. Wow. And that was the whole reason for the call. Wow. Now that's a that's a good friend. Now, this is the same Brent Peterson that once tore my shirt during a, like a drunken rage. Do you remember that? Well, and when when I was living with him, he was so mad that I left clothes 
in the living room that he threw it off the balcony. <laughs> so yeah. So evidently the beast has uh, has mellowed out a little bit at his older age. Uh, but yes. So thank you, thank you for your concern, Brent. I actually was touched by that. And so and, and you know what? I'm gonna go get my no, colonoscopy now. You're just totally not gonna do that. I'm gonna. No, you're not. I am gonna do That's it. Right. You watch. You watch. Well, we've got a hell of a show. Yes. I mean, our guest. I can't even talk. About <laughs> you know what? I have the audio, Dave. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Uh, oh, where are you, sir? Uh, closing windows. Closing windows. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. This is who we have on the show today. Uh, waiting, waiting. Marcel Marcel. Here we go. Hey, Dad. You want to have a catch? I'd like that. Oh, yeah, he had to hear the catching. Yeah, so we've got Dwyer Brown, who played, of course. He played John Kinsella. Yeah. Uh, not uh, not Kevin Costner. Yeah, right. Who needs Kevin yeah, Costner? screw him. Yeah, we don't want him. He's got all these other this, all this other baggage. Not this man. Not John Kinsella. Not uh, Dwyer Brown. Yeah, and he'll be on before the end of this show. I'm very uh, super-duper excited about it. Uh, seriously... Dave, just between you and me, I was watching the clips to prepare for the interview. You got a little overclimped, did you? Yeah. I, 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 I yeah. gets me every time. I mean, that music kills me. Right, right. And and I think we should probably ask him. You know, there are people that don't like Field of Dreams. Yeah. So we have to ask him. Not humans. <laughs> no, no, no one with a heart. Uh, <sighs> All right. So we also have to do some minutia before we get to him. So uh, do you have the Jenkins? I do, of course. Here we go. When you're on the job and you're not doing it right. Jenkins! Time now for Dave to share stories of employee screw-ups. Jenkins! It could only be... Jenkins! Jenkins! With Rick and Dave. Jenkins! <laughs> I just love how this kid... <clears throat> um, I think this might be the most Jenkins-y, Jenkins-y of all Jenkins stories. Okay, okay. let's hear it. The chances of me getting through this without laughing is okay. Zippo. GPS company removes suspected killer's ankle monitor after he failed to pay monthly fee. This is for real? Yeah, a man in Texas charged with capital murder. And Rick, it's not just regular murder. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the capital murder, right? So you're, you're talking literally a, a murderer. Yeah, a murderer. A murderer. A man in Texas charged with capital murder was released on bond this past summer and ordered to wear an ankle bracelet, right? Sure. Well, I just thought of this. You... You would never be able to wear that ankle. Bracket. No, they don't make them fat <laughs> enough for my ankles. Right. But Cliff Walker evidently doesn't have elephantitis, and they put on this GPS, you know, ankle bracelet um, because he and, he, you know, because he had, they had to know where he was sure, going, right? Yeah. Uh, but was responsible for paying the monthly fee for the GPS to the service provider. <laughs> evidently, that's part of his, you know, the penalty. Right. That's amazing. So when Walker didn't maintain the payments, they were which were a condition of his hundred thousand dollar bond, the GPS company Guarding Public Safety Incorporated 
removed the required monitor, according to KHOU Television. And wow. Wow. Uh, Harris County District Attorney Kim Og said that guarding public safety sent one of its representatives to remove the ankle monitor on September 19th. So there you go. That's unbelievable. I'm pretty sure I know what happened here. What? Uh, The credit manager (laughs) for the GBS company was looking over their 90-day invoices (laughs) and just... Got pissed. Yeah. You know, on the Monday morning sales meeting and whomever had the Clint Walker account just said, screw it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear. Yeah. That'll show you bitch Martha in AR. Yeah. Yeah. This is for all of you who think every industry should be privatized. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, come on now. That's just absolutely. Well, I've got actually I have a story. Uh, about let's a, hurry this up i want to get to dwyer brown <laughs> i have a story that is also a story about uh corporate greed mm-hmm. uh this uh, takes place in san lorenzo california isabel albright of san lorenzo was among the oldest people in america she was uh she has lived through two world wars 18 presidents six mm-hmm. moon landings mm-hmm. born before television mm-hmm. came into being Yet, ironically, she did not outlive her satellite TV contract, and that was a problem. <laughs> and this is, this is just an unbelievable story. The uh, son-in-law said, everything was fine until we went to disconnect, and that's when all the surprises happened. Uh, she died at the age of 102. Mm-hmm. She was 102 years old. Um, and DirecTV sent an early termination fee. Oh, my God. Of a hundred and sixty bucks. Wow! Wow! And charge the family, even though she died. Right. You would <laughs> think that that's part of the, you know, that that's the loophole. I mean, we just found, for God's sakes, a loophole about a GPS. You don't think that there's a uh, termination? I, I'm serious. In all seriousness, when a company goes out of business, they don't have to provide their service anymore. They're right. out of business. Right. 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 So, so when and Mar- she went out is of out of business. Right. Exactly. So uh, I think that's totally uncool, and that's just another story. But I have a minutia quiz for you about this. Sure. All right, here we go. Time now for a minutia man. Minutia man. Minutia quiz. So if you do the math, uh, she was born in 1917. Okay. Right. The last time the White Sox won the World Series. Yes. Speaking of the White Sox, Shoeless Joe White. Uh, is, this is, this is where I'm going with this, all right? That was the year the White Sox won the World Series. Not the year they cheated, yeah, right. but the year they right. won. Uh, Happy Felch was one of the players that was later He's a catcher, kicked out. Was no, he was an outfielder. Okay. Um, he led the team in home runs that season. All right, here's the minutia quiz. How many home runs did Happy Felch hit in 1917 when the team won the World Series? Well, they were the hitless wonders. I'd say four. Wow, that's a good guess. It's a little more than that. Six. Yeah. The team that year, they called them the Hitless Wonders. The team for the entire season, everybody on the team. 25 maybe? 18 yeah, home runs. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Who did they? Oh, that was the 1906. Yeah, who did they beat in 1917? I don't even know. I don't even know. Well, we'll have to look that up. But you know what I do know, Rick? What? It's really easy to subscribe. Of course it is. It's a minutia man. All you got to do, Rick, is iHeartRadio. Yeah. Click on, go on there. Click on us. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, yep. iHeartRadio, Podbean, Podable. All the pods. Yeah, all the pods, all the hearts and everything. Yep. And all you got to do is you just have to subscribe to us. Yep. And every week you will get yourself 
a new episode. Okay. With brand new stories about minutiae. And celebrity guests. And, and celebrity, celebrity guests. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever been jealous of a cat before. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm jealous of cats quite often, actually. This they comes they out, live the life. This comes out of China. Male cat needs glucose drip after mating with five females in a one night in a hotel. <laughs> Let the record show that the headline did not read sleazy hotel, so it might be a nice hotel. Okay. A male it's cat. A pet hotel, right? Yeah. yeah, pet hotel. A male cat has been left needing a glucose drip after it mated with at least five females in one night when he was let out of his cage by the pet hotel staff. <laughs> Xiaomi, spelled X-I-A-O-P-I, a Russian blue, not a Russian, not a Russian blue balls. You know, I, I was thinking that his name was going to be Katsanova. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Thank you. Uh, he was left at the pet hotel by his owners, Mr. and Mrs. Zhao, in the Guangdong province of <laughs> South China. Uh-huh. Mr. Zhao said he had specifically told the business that Xiaomi had not been neutered. Okay. Okay. I thought they'd be professional, but the staff didn't feed Xiaomi during the day and let him out to room freely at night. You know what that means. Yeah, my uh, cat's out. The cat will play. Between around 1040 and 5 a.m., my cat mated with five female cats, Mr. Zhou said. And those are the only ones I could see on the CCTV footage. Wow. Okay. So uh, Xiaomi will be starring in Kitty Kitty Bang Bang. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up with a terrible case of ketmidia. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so he needed, he had so much, he was so tired that he needed a glucose uh, what, drip. My favorite thing about this is that the owner of the cat who, who impregnated all these yeah, female uh, cats, he's mad. He's the one that's mad. You know how tired he is? <laughs> yeah, right. He had a glucose drip. I mean, come on. Well, he needs medical help. Did you see? Well, you didn't see. Did you see yeah. the picture of this cat? No. Here you go. I have it here for you. Oh, my God. Hey, look how tired he yeah, looks. That yeah. poor little baby, right? Oh. Well, my um, favorite <laughs> cat b- literature is, of course, Cat in the Hat. Of course. Right? Of course. Um, so I wrote a little Cat in the Hat. Uh-oh, there uh, we poem. go. Um, theater wait, Ge- wait. Oh, that you're yeah. doing the yes, coffee house. Yes, yes. Theodore Geisel's dead, right? Yes, he okay, is. Okay, so, all right. Are you sure? I'm pretty all sure. Right, so we're not going to get sued. His name was Chiomi, shacked up in a dump, with mittens and whiskers, who he wanted to hump. There were more there that day, Nala Fluffy and Socks, a buffet of suitors. He loved them a lot. He got carried away, couldn't stop his endeavors. He was not discerning. He would do whomever. He went on all night at a furious clip. See, furious. Yeah, furious very clip. nice. Then he was rushed to the dock for an emergency glucose drip. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Wow, that, that is something. That is Spend something. more time on that than... Uh, <laughs> all right, time, time for another feature. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand in the jar and pulls out a name of a celebrity, which uh, he did at the end of last week. Right. And that was Mike Nesmith. Mike Nesmith. Yes. All right. So I have to tell the Mike Nesmith story. Yes. And this goes back 30 years now, right? So we're talking about when I was Stephen Gary's producer, which can you believe that was 30 years ago, right? Uh, 30 years ago, I was Stephen Gary's producer, and we had had on all the other monkeys. The one that we had never had on was Mike Nesmith because he was... Was he a little um, grumpy? He was... 
He didn't like touring with. He didn't like cashing in on the monkeys thing. You know, typecast. He didn't. You know, he went and had a solo career, and he, you know, he wanted to promote his solo work and stuff like that. But there was one magical moment uh, in the '80s where where all the stars aligned (laughs) and the monkeys came together. (laughs) That is so true. And he was on Stephen Gary's show. And I don't remember what we talked about. I do remember that I got him to autograph my Monkey's Greatest Hits album, okay, sure. which I have downstairs. Yeah. Um, Did he make a mistake and then have to white it out? No, because his mother, uh, my mother invented whiteout. Yeah. That's right. Um, I, they did talk about that. Right. I remember talking about that. Um, but here's what I remember about the Mike Nesmith thing. So we went into a little studio to record a promo. You know, like, hey, this yeah, is Mike right. Nesmith. You're listening to Stephen Gary. Right. Um, I don't remember what. Don't monkey around. I don't remember what the promo said, but I remember we were in the old these old loop studios, and the production studio that they allowed the producers to have was so small. So you weren't really high on the pecking order. You got the. the We could not have been lower on the. I think they actually would pick us up off the bottom of their (laughs) shoes. Right. Um, But we had this tiny little production studio, and I I can't describe to you how small it was. There was room for one person to be in this. And that's it, but you know when you go in there to record it with a you know celebrity you like two this, people yeah, in there. Yeah. Right. so I went in there with Mike Nesmith, and we sat next to each <laughs> other, and and this booth was so small we were sitting in like an inch yeah. apart, and he turned and looked at me, and he was so close to me that our noses were almost <laughs> touching each other, <laughs> and, 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 and Eskimos, and with... he said, uh, you know I'm not comfortable being this close to you. Yeah. And I said, okay, great. Uh, you know, and I, I hit the record button. I walked out. You know, and, me and Davy Jones were making out here. He had no problem. <laughs> he is the only one that ever had a problem with it. Really? But I don't uh, I don't blame him at all no, because I at all. was super duper yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. I, You know, I, I, when a man is that close to you like yeah. that, yeah. I don't care who it is. Right. Yeah, I don't care if it's a woman. It, it's it's an uncomfortable situation. Of course. Of course. So I don't blame Mike <laughs> Nesmith. I don't consider him a prima donna or anything for okay. feeling that way. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, Dave, it's time. Are we ready to bring him in? No, oh, we got to pick for I next week. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right. Pick a, pick a name. Who do I have to tell about the story about next week? I cannot believe in all the, our years together. Yeah. Paul McCartney. I've never, t- you know the Paul well, McCartney okay. story. All right. All right. I think. But I I've never told it on this okay. show. Okay. I Now I remember what it is. Okay. okay. All right. All right. All right, so I McCartney. actually have two, two or three Paul McCartney stories. Well, just do one and we'll put it back. Okay, because content content does not grow on trees, my friend. No, that's true. Uh, all right, so we bring in now our our uh, esteemed guest. We're very excited about this. I don't. Well, you know what? Let's just play the jingle and bring him in. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. All right, Dave. I don't. I don't think anyone has had more impact from six minutes of film time than our next guest. He was in a movie 30 years ago that just happens to be our favorite movie of all time, Fields of Field of Dreams. I bought the video. I bought the laser disc. I got the anniversary issue. <laughs> I bought the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Dwyer Brown played John Kinsella, the father of Ray, Kevin Costner in the movie. And the whole movie is really about him, although you don't realize it until the end. So I, let me just say this, Dwyer. Let me just confess something to you. Just hearing the music is enough to make me cry. The line, hey, Dad, you want to have a catch? Kills me. I know I'm not the only one. You must run into this everywhere you go. I even heard, and maybe this is a, a, a legend, but I heard that you bring a mitt with you just in case someone wants to have a catch with you. Is that true? 
Oh yeah, I, I bring my dad's mitt. Uh, of all oh my God! <laughs> Stop it! It's it's three minutes into the interview and we're already crying. <laughs> yeah, but my grandfather uh, gave my dad this split finger mitt back in the '30s, and he it's the mitt my dad taught me and my brother to play catch with. So it feels like you know my way of of passing it on. You know, my my dad died a month before I went to go shoot that movie. So oh my God, my, my only regret about the whole thing was that I never got to watch the movie with him. So this is my way of, of bringing him with me wherever I go. And it, it's as close as anybody will get to shaking hands with my dad by, by putting on his mitt and having a catch with me or, you know, okay. anyway, I, I, all bets are off. I'm going to definitely, be <laughs> right. you're the coolest yeah, person right. on earth, man. <laughs> so, uh, um, so I mean, people, how often are you stopped to, play catch i mean is this something that would well, i'm sure when you're doing personal appearances but like are you in walmart and someone's asking you to play catch <laughs> well i don't carry my mitt around like uh you know like nevin and the jerk you know okay. like, uh, listen that's all i need is this mitt uh, no i uh but you know i do appearances at, at this year i went to 40 minor league baseball games across the country and oh. and so uh you know i i try to you know i tell the the GMs there at, at the parks, you know, I sort of uh, basically do anything you ask me to, you know, within reason, of course, but, yeah. but, you know, frequently they'll have me do a catch with the, you know, contest winners, or sometimes they open it up to everybody and I'll be out on the field there and, you know, have catch with a hundred people, you know, and, um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just something I, I feel like I've been given this little, you know, a superpower or something that because of the way the movie was and I and I I thank James Earl and Kevin and Amy Madigan and Tim Busfield for opening everybody's heart, so that all I have to do is take off my catcher's mask and kind of walk right in. But yeah. I feel like the the you know, it's just something I can do that means so much to people, and it doesn't cost me anything. You know, who 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 doesn't want to have a catch with people? <laughs> yeah, right. So so anyway, it's just kind of fun. I I just try to look at it as is this nice little. Um, gift that i have and i try to go as deep as people want to you know some people you know just strangers you know somehow see my face and recognize me from the movie and, and tears immediately come to their eyes and yeah. they tell me you know that their dad never played catch with them or that their dad played catch with them every night and you know now he's gone and you know i just think like well you know who who else do they get to do this with i, I can be their dad for 10 seconds in an airport and and it, it'll mean something to them so well my, anyway. my dad died when i was 13 and he was a white Sox fan so i need you to come wow. and live in my house can you do that <laughs> okay. would that be all right okay. and you got to meet my grandchildren your, your, your grandchildren in fact we'll just tell them you're actually my dad is that all right if we can do that okay that's it sounds perfectly yeah you, fine. you know okay. i i went to the movie the first time uh just days before my dad died uh wow. I, this is a true story and I even said to him, after I came home from the movie, I went over to his house and I said, Dad, we got to go see this movie together. He, you know, it, obviously it never happened. <clears throat> and, and so, you know, but I felt that before my father passed away that it was a special thing. And then it, it's just that, that moment you appear, the young version of Dad, the man his son never knew, every, every son who has lost his dad has to imagine what that moment would be like. One last chance, one chance to atone, a chance to say the things that you never said, but you know, or or even see just to see your dad one more time. I think that is the power of that moment. And and did yeah. you did you know? I mean, having just lost your own dad, did you kind of know that 
when you were filming that scene? You know, I couldn't have anticipated mm. the power that it has. I, I attribute a lot of that to that beautiful score you were just mentioning yeah. from, from James Horner. And I also had read the book in college, uh, Shoeless Joe, on which it's based. Yeah. And it's a really great book, but it's very different right. as, as far as John Kinsella goes. He appears fairly early in the book and has a kind of continuing dialogue throughout with Ray in the course of him building the field and all this stuff. And it takes the power out of that moment. I, uh, you know, uh, Phil Robinson, who adapted the, the book to the movie and directed it, just did a brilliant thing there for, for me, certainly, but I think for audience members everywhere by making it the end of Ray's journey and, and to keep it a secret, like, like mm, you said, yeah. the, the people who saw that movie before anybody knew anything about it in 1989 when it came out, yeah, you can imagine they were floored. I, yes. uh, the director, Phil, told me, come see the movie with me down in Westwood, uh, uh, you know, where, where UCLA is in, in L.A. And I said, Phil, what, why? I, I, we've already seen the movie. We, we made the movie. And certainly you've been editing it for a year and a, a year and a half now. Like, why do you want to go see it? He said, just just come with me. So, you know, I met him down there and he I couldn't I was doing a play at the time. So I could only come for he said, just come for the last five minutes. So I yeah. said, OK, <laughs> OK, Phil. So I went down there and I wandered in in the dark room in the back. And, you know, and there's you know, there's. Kevin Costner, 40 feet high on the wall and, you know, you know, talking to, you know, Doc Graham or something. And anyway, I was watching it. And so, the, you know, I'm watching it. It felt kind of uncomfortable there because I feel like I'm sort of like this ghost who's now actually in the <laughs> right. movie theater with yeah. these people, you know. But um, the, the, the rest of the movie plays out and it goes to credits and nobody moves. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, well, yeah. what's going on here? Like the whole credit ran, the whole credits all the way to the end. You could see the people who come clean the theaters between takes were, were you know, lining up in the aisles waiting for people to move so they could pick up popcorn, etc. And I, you know, as the lights came up, you could see men's. First of all, it was a lot of men, mm -hmm. and they, they're, you know, their shoulders are kind of shaking. And I'm thinking, what's what's going on here? <laughs> and it was all these, you know, and you know, I think what's interesting is the biggest, most athletic guys get it the worst, you know, because yeah. they're the ones that have grown up with sports with their dads. And these guys were trying to pull themselves together because they were so embarrassed that they were crying yeah. so hard. And, yeah. you know, these guys are slapping each other on the back. And, you know, I don't know. I was just I was just blown away. I'd never seen anything like that in a movie theater. You know, I've, I've, I worked in in live theater and, you know, occasionally you can get an audience, you know, very you know emotional or excited about something. But I'd never seen it in a movie. And suddenly I felt like very strange to be sitting there. These guys are walking past me now. I thought they're going to have a heart attack if they saw. Oh my so, God! Actually, yeah. from Field of Dreams, right here in the movie. <laughs> it's, it's him! So it's it, him! Well, it's Dad! <laughs> right, exactly. Uh -huh. then, you know. Anyway, but it, yeah, it was just remarkably powerful. And and I, I thank Phil Robinson for for making that a surprise ending and and that haunting score oh. that James Horner did. Who you know, Phil Robinson told me later that. He, he wanted James Horner to do the score for the movie, but so he had him come to a pre-release screening where they'd put in, you know, a temp track is what they call it. I think it was some, some jazz from, um, or something that they'd used for the movie, but then you show the, you know, the composer and, and he, anyway, Phil shows it to him and it's private screening. The, the lights go down and James Horner kind of storms out of the room, you know, and, and feels like, uh -oh. oh, uh, so he waits there for a minute and, couple minutes and he you know the 
coroner's agents there and he says like what is he is he okay is is, is is the meeting over is he not interested or what and he said i don't know i don't know what happened finally phil goes out the back of the thing and looking around and he goes in the bathroom and james horner is in there and he's he looks he looks phil in the eye and he says i'm doing this movie you know he was all <laughs> emotional because his father was uh, apparently uh, uh, worked in the movie business, but was gone all the time. You know, he was an art director, I think, or something. And, you know, so so James Horner had his own yeah. daddy stuff, yeah, yeah, which yeah. the movie brought out, which he brought to the movie, you know, and it was just kind of extraordinary how the the power of that movie got multiplied by everybody, I think, bringing their own father yeah. issues oh, yeah. to to the movie and 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 kind of you know doubling down on on the power that was already there you know and that's surprise and it's what I'm, I'm always surprised to hear that some people don't like the movie you know like i think rolling stone right. put it as it wrote it as one of the worst movies of the year now maybe the writers there have never lost a parent have a ridiculously healthy relationship or they've had their hearts surgically removed right i mean how can anybody not like this movie <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. I think I I think, you know, uh, pardon the pun, I think the movie can be seen as somewhat corny, you know, yeah, I mean, right. It, That's it, true. It, but but I also when when I first and corny has a double meaning there, doesn't right. it? Yes, That's exactly. Pun. That's the pun. <laughs> uh, I I realized I, I made my choice early on. I decided that the people who don't get the movie and there's plenty of them who come up and tell you, you know, that's a stupid movie. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I thought, well, these are the people like like Timothy Busfield's character, Mark, who can't right. see the ballplayers. You know, right. what I mean? there's those people who, you know, who who don't see the ballplayers. So they would sit there at the empty field and wonder what we're all looking yeah. at. And, you know, there's just some people who don't have aren't willing to suspend their disbelief or kind of go on the ride. And, you know, I feel I feel bad for them because I, I think that's a movie that if you can open your heart to it, it, it can really take you places that. That a lot of movies, you know, only dream of going. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, yeah. Another pun. Sorry. <laughs> All right. We have to take a break. But Minutia Man will be right back. And friends and everyone at Opie Shows want you to make sure to wash your hands. And if you're still one of those people who don't wash their hands after they use the bathroom, please do that now. That's something you should have been doing anyway. I... Cover your mouth when you cough. You can save the world by sitting on your ass at home. You cannot afford to miss this opportunity. You won't get another one. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Stay home. You will be saving the world. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we discuss the new champions. We will look at Liverpool and where they stand in terms of the pantheon of champions. Um, they're certainly up there. You'll find out this week on Free Kicks. Yeah, Adam's going to tell us exactly where he thinks they rank, and he has seen every Champions League since the league was founded. So we'll find out that and lots of other great soccer news on an OPI show. Free Kicks with Adam and Rick on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And we're back. We are totally back. Oh, my God. Where were we? It doesn't matter because we're back. <laughs> so are, are, you a, are you a baseball fan yourself? I mean, uh, is, there, is there a team that you root for? Well, I, I grew up in Ohio mm -hmm. on a farm. Uh, and uh, one of the ways we got out of farm work was playing sports year-round. So my brother and I, you know, I played, I played football. I played baseball. I played basketball. I ran track. I, you know, I, I was active. I mean, so baseball you know i loved as much as all the other sports to be honest i i tried out for my i played little league i i 
tried out for my freshman high school baseball team and I got cut. So my my joke is that it's it's my picture that's in the baseball hall of fame. That's what I say to those guys who made the <laughs> That's team. right, exactly. So, you know, suck on that, so, buddy. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but but you know, I, I I love baseball. I I certainly come to love it more. I always loved minor league baseball cuz, you know, I, yeah. I I love going to those parks and having people do silly stuff to entertain you between takes. I I I remember sitting on the third base line and having a, you know, kind of a, a whole game long conversation with the third baseman, you know, teasing him about, you know, a play he missed or, yeah, you know, or yeah, his sure. name and he's, he's yelling back at you and, you know, yeah. I mean, I, and you can actually hear each other. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, yeah. and then they, you know, then they have some people go out there and do silly things. And so I, yeah, I, I'm a baseball fan. I don't follow teams. I always root for underdogs. I grew up in Cleveland. So there was, mm-hmm. you know, I, in the lean years at the, in, with the Indians. So, right. I mean, of course I, and I started my career in Chicago and was, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a, a Cubs fan. And, you know, I mean, I, 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 I tend to like individual players and, and underdog teams, but, um, so what, know, where this, did you, you said you, uh, worked in Chicago. What, what did you do in Chicago in the theater community or, yeah, I started uh, when I left the farm in Ohio. The idea of becoming an actor was, you know, everybody just laughed at me. But uh, when I went there, I, I got involved in theater. I worked at the Organic Theater Company. Oh, who, oh yeah. I, ironically, had had just come off the huge success of Bleacher Bums uh, like mm-hmm. a year before. Right. So, uh, you know, they were and, and, you know, worked there for a year and a half, did plays, did a few. There was a TV show that shot there at that time called Chicago Story. It was a kind of a cop oh, show. Yeah. And anyway, I I my agent gave me the opportunity to come out to LA for pilot season in 82, I guess it was. And, um, then I, I got cast in the Thornbirds during that little six week foray to LA and just decided to move out here. Cause there was so much more work in, and, um, and you know, it's hard to argue with, uh, Southern California as yeah. much as yeah. I, I, I I love Chicago. Believe me, I, I think I still think that's, you know, one of the greatest cities in the country. I, I just think there's for me, there's all these great Midwestern people who are kind and compassionate. And, you know, I mean, I know there's jerks everywhere, but, I, it, you know, compared to New York or Los Angeles, I, I really think it's a, you know, it's it is the uh, what do they call it? The shoulders of America or yeah, something. The it's big, really, the big really shoulders. Awesome. City of the big yeah. shoulders. Well, you know, Rick, exactly. Rick wrote a book. And we're yeah. publishers, actually, yeah. by trade. Rick wrote a book called hey. "Every Cub Ever." Yes, and he lit. <laughs> it's actually, true. He li- he literally, yeah. and I'm saying this with somewhat disdain, and for the amount of time that he spent on this. And, and Dave is a White Sox yeah, fan uh, too, so yeah. <laughs> he wrote a biography of every Cub player that has ever played wow. since 1872. So we would love to send it to you. Yeah. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, yeah totally. I'll get your address. We'll send you a copy yeah, of it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, my, my friend just did a similar thing with the Indians players, you know, and I find those stories fascinating. You know, like so many of those players were, you know, they're working in the oh, offseason yeah. oh, to, yeah. to make them, you know, and, and you know, have, you know, issues, you know. You know, there it was just I just find that all fascinating. History fascinates me much more than, um, you know, than fiction most of the time because it's, it's more unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, so I'd love that, yeah. Well, we'll we'll definitely send you one. And uh, I, you mentioned earlier that you do a lot of appearances across the country, minor league parks. I know you have merchandise that you sell. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find out where you'll be next? Uh, you know, what kind of appearances you're making, what you're, where they can get the merchandise and stuff like that. I know you've got a website. What what is it? Ah, uh, yes. Well, uh, uh, my book, if you build it, is available on Amazon. 
and uh, all my other stuff is available on my on it's just my name it's dwyerbrown.com dwyer with an i d w i e r it's just weird spelled sideways <laughs> um, so how did you uh, get that name by the way any idea well, it's oh yeah it's my grandmother's maiden name she oh. was stella wood dwyer and uh, and so my dad named me Dwyer Richard Brown, and it was such a weird name that I went by Ricky for my first like eight years of my life because mm. I thought, you know, people, you don't need people, you don't need to give them excuse to make fun of you. Yeah, yeah. That's a good so point. Thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I got plenty of Dwyer Dwyer pants on fire. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, you know, washer. Ricky as a Ricky, right. there's a lot of them that rhyme with Ricky, <laughs> yeah, right. and they are yeah, good. That's true. That's true. But, but back then, Ricky Nelson was cool, and, and okay, Ricardo, gotcha. So you know, it, it, it had some cachet back then. And, uh, okay. You know, but now now I get to hear Washer and Dwyer all the time. And, oh, uh, there you uh, go. Right. But, but well, anyway, don't, uh, don't play catch yeah. with those people, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. As soon as they say that shit, I'm out of there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amen, brother. I go right back into the corn. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show. Uh, this has this, been just it's been a wonderful. Big this has been great. Thanks, uh, like, and, oh. and we wish you nothing but the best. And and uh, we'll send you a copy of the book and uh, and and keep on doing what you're doing because yeah. you're spreading love everywhere, man. You yeah, really are. Right. It, well, thanks. Hey, and I got a question for you guys. Yeah. Sure. Uh, hey, Rick and Dave. You want to have a catch? <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Right. Thanks, buddy. Your, your line is, I'd like that. Oh, oh so you know. shoot. That's right. I'd That's like right. that. Hey, thanks for putting up this field and letting us play ball. Yeah. All right. We'll Annie, talk. Annie, this is, this is your John. Is this that is, the- yeah. This is my John. It's John. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right thank thanks, you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Are you Bye. okay? Are you okay? <laughs> Hold me, Rick. <laughs> I, I, I love the part about him in the movie theater seeing these grown men shaking yeah. so uncontrollably. That... You know, I got to tell you, your your uh, eyes are a little pink oh, right I, now. They're I, a little pink. This I am emotionally spent yeah. right now. That was such a wonderful interview. Uh, you know, even even a Rick and Dave can dig deep. Right, deep. Right. Even we a are Rick not and soulless. <laughs> Sure, we may sure we bust wise, but we're people too. Um, if you'd like to know more about us, the the sensitive right. uh, souls that we right. are, uh, you can find us. At we'll Eckhart's be at a poetry P- reading. On- <laughs> we're at EckhartsPress.com. We're also at ChicagoAuthorSolutions.com, and you can uh, email us at minutiamanpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And you can follow us on Twitter. Where Dave always has witty retorts. Yeah, as, I've actually as just, I actually just retweeting the are you <laughs> the radio? Yeah, are you? yeah, I'm definitely mailing it in at this uh, point. Okay. No, I mean every once in a while I'll, but yeah, pretty much I'm mailing right. it in. Five eighths effort on this side of the table. Well, special thanks to our executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com with Opi. That is hippo backwards. O p p i h shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of Manusha Man. This Opie podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opieshows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This week on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, we have two, two, 
two stars in one. Yeah, we've got Steve Baskerville and Howard Sudbury, two Chicago television legends. Don't believe us? Here they are. Say hello, guys. Hello. <laughs> See? Okay. Uh, See? They may be television legends, but they're not that quick anymore. <laughs> they don't pay attention. Be, be sure to tune in, and you'll hear more stuff like that. Solid gold. The Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's a quick look at the Morgan Aero Supersport. Is it ugly or sublime? Plus, special commentary on the automotive publishing industry. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me as I drive solo for a couple episodes for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Previously on Lozano and Friends. Bruce Dumont of the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Bruce, what's your story about Charles Bronson? I was doing my show from New York, and one of the big stories in New York at that time was uh, the Guardian Angels were part of the story. It was Rudy Giuliani was mayor. There was the crackdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, crime in New York was going down because people were getting outraged. They were taking their neighborhoods back. That was a national movement that was going on. As I'm preparing, I'm sitting literally in Central Park. Uh, I'm preparing for my show that night, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, as I'm sitting on the bench, you know, this is so different than the image of New York and crime and Charles Bronson and Death Wish and all that other stuff. And right. I knew that I was going to sort of talk about that subject that night that crime in New York was going down. Yeah. And I looked to the right, and there, five feet away from me on my bench is Charles Bronson. <laughs> I was specifically thinking of Charles Bronson Death Wish. Right. And right. Charles Bronson <laughs> sits next to me. <laughs> and I then said, well, okay, am I going to bother? He's by himself. So I very quickly introduced myself. He wasn't very impressed. I said, but I want to talk about America is now reacting, and, and some people are calling it a vigilante take back of their neighborhoods. Do you have any sense of, of pride and authorship of this transformation that's happening in urban America because of your films? Yeah. And he said, no, I really don't. Uh, things change. And uh, that's, I mean, he didn't really say anything really deep to be thinking of Charles Bronson in that setting. And for him to sit next to me, I think is one of the most bizarre things that ever happened to me. I'm going to ask you, can you think about Alyssa Milano for right now? Just see what happens. <laughs> Get more Lasano and Friends now on Lasano.com.